On this high energy episode, we start connecting the dots between living a warrior life and a successful life. The focus here is why good enough is not good enough and being great should be the mission. In other words, great is the enemy of good. Now, our special guest today is Pat Flynn. He's an elite entrepreneur and an award-winning author. He's also the trainer of special forces and professional athletes all over the world. Now, Pat is an A through T philosopher with a high interest in human performance and ultimate human happiness. Now, this is going to be a very deep episode here. We're going to dive deep into the realities of life and what truly matters. We're going to cover mindset, self-confidence, spirituality, success, money, task handling, priorities, overcoming obstacles, and of course, what a generalist should be and the definition of a modern day warrior. Stand by. up a warrior my brothers welcome back to the man of war my name is rafa Conde, and of course i am your host more importantly i am a man on a mission here to transform you into a modern day warrior now listen up i have been out of touch here for the last 10 days or so i am sorry that we have not kept up on the podcast but we had a major explosion here in miami the conclave of warriors which sucked up every second of my time my brothers and sisters, what an event this was. I'm going to tell you, this was by far and away the most empowering, the rawest event of the year. And I got to tell you, it was historical. It was epic across the board. The feedback that we received after this event has been so powerful. And I got to tell you, it has been life changing absolutely life-changing all you got to do is go check out all of social media and just listen to the feedback just listen to it i got to tell you i am absolutely honored humbled and beyond words for the impact that this is this event has had you know across the board here we had people coming in from south america central america we had people from europe flying in and all over the united states representing so many different states so many friendships were built uh, certainly so many i got to tell you we so many parts of networking happened here I, people just you know connecting with one another we had the guest speakers phenomenal job to these you know i got to give kudos across the board to you know we start by you know bradley bedros and jason redmond ray care jay dobbins brent leeson and of course our powerhouse ringmaster andy zaraki i mean he killed it look this was an event that you had to be at all right and i have people emailing me day in and day out say man i wish i would have been there i wish i would have been there all right next year we are scaling this up big time all right there is absolutely no excuse for not being in the conclave of warriors 19 because if you were not there you missed an epic life-changing event and i am just stoked that i represent the conclave movement and here we are positioned for 2019 people 2019 is rolling in and so many good things are happening here we're gonna uh, i'm gonna put this out over the next few weeks so many powerful things here are happening and i really hope that you guys uh, get on board and become part of this movement continue supporting this all right now um, just to let you know we haven't really put it out there yet but we're talking about april 10th through the 14th Man of War is bringing the house down here. We're doing something that has never been done before. Yes, there has been things like it, but not what I'm about to tell you. All right, this is the Man of War Crucible. We're talking about selecting 20 men, all right, in a five-day, four-night experience. This is all about forging yourselves into a modern day warrior we have just started to take applications just a couple of days ago you need to go to wardevacademy.com forward slash crucible all right that's wardev w-a-r-d-e-v academy wardev stands for warrior development wardevacademy.com forward slash crucible hit the link 
okay, and just send your name and your email, and I'll have one of my team members reach out to you and start that application process. All right, listen, to get selected, I mean, we have already over 50 people that have put in the applications, and I will tell you this, that out of probably hundreds of people that are going to put in a couple of hundred people, we're going to be selecting exactly 20. All right, this takes this is a, this is a double-sided interview, which means that you will interview with me personally at first and then with our entire instructor cadre that I will be announcing coming up over the next couple of weeks, uh, probably right before Christmas. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this is going to be in Central Florida at an undisclosed location. So um, it's going to be in that area. All right, so what we have in store for you here today is an unreal interview. I got to tell you, it is a very deep interview. I've done a bunch of, I've had a lot of conversation with some legit dudes, but this is very deep. We literally go in here and... We dive deep into, you know, spirituality. We dive deep into, you know, the concept of the modern day warrior. We talk about certain elements that sometimes, you know, are left out because the conversations that we have were limited to between 50 minutes and an hour, but we really covered this in this interview. And I highly recommend that you listen to this from the beginning to the end. And he has a new book coming out. It's titled How to Be Better at Almost Everything. It's a great little book here. I recommend it highly. You can pre-order it from uh, Amazon.com. And now I want to make a special announcement here. And everybody here knows, every listener here that has been listening to The Man of War for the last almost two years knows very well that I don't really take sponsors here for the show. We just don't do it. All right. However, um, there was an exception made. And I'll tell you why. Because I truly believe, all right, in this company. I truly believe in their message. I truly believe in everything that they stand for, especially in our society nowadays. And I believe in my heart here that, man, I got to tell you, it is a must. It is a must. If you are an individual that is out there looking to provide and protect, underline that word, right, and protect his or her family, this is a, the most important thing that you can have right here, right now. We've all seen the news out there. Mass shootings and terror attacks can happen anywhere at any time. It's a scary thought. We're talking London, Paris, New York, Vegas. These all ring a bell. After each tragedy, the politicians blame the very people who need protection the most. Yep, you and me. Now, we've decided to team up with our friends here over at the United States Concealed Carry Association to give you a free copy of their complete mass shooting survival guide. Now, the USCCA provides self-defense education, training, and legal protection to responsibly armed Americans like you and me. Now, they want to give you a free copy of their new mass shooting survival guide, and I want you to text the word SURVIVAL to 87222 to get yours free right now. In that survival guide, you're going to learn what we really know about mass shootings, how to survive an attack, proven strategies for stopping a shooter, and a whole lot more. Man, I got to tell you, it's packed with life-saving information that the anti-gun lobby doesn't want you to have. Plus, it's going to come with a free audiobook so you can listen whenever you want. Now, you can claim yours in seconds. It's 100% free and for a very limited time. You're also going to get a bonus security checklist here for your office, your church, or your school. Just text the word SURVIVAL to 87222. That's SURVIVAL 87222. All right, let's get ready to roll. Remember, whip out your pen and paper and let's start taking notes and implement what you learn here because there's a bunch to learn from this conversation into your life right here and right now. Let's get right into it. Pat Flynn, welcome to the Man of War podcast, my brother. Great to have you on. Rafa, it is a pleasure to be here, my friend. Thanks for taking the time. Boom, man. You're one of those guys that before I started uh, podcasting, I followed. Um, you've been in the podcast world for a long time. You're an entrepreneur. And my book, my friend, you are a warrior. And that's what this show is all about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you introduce yourself for our audience here. Yeah, so my name's my name's Pat Flynn. Um, I sort of advertise myself as a as a generalist. I'm somebody who likes to get good to great at many different things and then and then combine those skills to form competitive and creative advantages in life. So to kind of zoom out a little bit, my life has been a mix of many different and interesting 
hobbies, activities, and so on, at least interesting to me anyways. I think some of your audience will, will find it interesting as well. So, I mean, formally, I have uh, degrees in economics, finance. I'm doing my master's now in, in systematic philosophy. My most passionate backgrounds are martial arts, music, and writing. Uh, been a competitive Taekwondo athlete for, for quite some time. Run a podcast, The Pat Flynn Show. Um, but a lot of people know me for the work I do in, in fitness and training, specifically with with kettlebells. And I spent many years going down to Camp Lejeune, training special forces, trying to get them ready to be actual warriors in the literal sense. So I have a lot of experience with that as well. And currently I'm, I'm writing a book, uh, finished writing the book, and I'm sure we'll probably get into it a little bit called How to Be Better at Almost Everything, which is pretty much what I just talked about. How do you get good to great at a lot of different skills? What is the skill of developing skills? And then how do you stack skills to form competitive and creative advantages in life? So that is my best attempt at a hopefully less than 60 seconds elevator pitch. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So I want to get into a little bit. First off, let's get into this book, all right, because I just want to throw it out there. Uh, I love the title. What inspired you to write? And I'm not going to give the title out. I want you to give the title out. Um, and... What inspired you really to write this? Yeah, so Rafa, it comes down to, you know, looking at sort of my my history and all the different things I've been interested in and then also trying to dissect, well, what what has allowed me to, to find success in spite of myself, in spite of not being the best at any one thing in the world? So, I, so the book's called How to Be Better at Almost Everything. And the case I make is that as a human, and even as a warrior, I would say, you're you're better off getting good to great at a lot of things rather than trying to be the best at any one thing and then stacking skills to find opportunities to be unique, to be different, uh, to be creative in a way that hardcore lifelong specialists just aren't able to do. And if we're going to tie it into the warrior thing, I mean, that that is a warrior being ready for and capable of almost everything. Adaptability is absolutely key. And to me, that's that's what a generalist is. And when I look back at my life and how I've been able to break ahead in spite of not being the best at anything, because I'm not. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the fastest. I'm strong. I can do a lot of cool stuff in the gym. I can write well. I'm a, I'm a good musician. I'm a good martial artist, not a world champion. But it's been the combination and the synthesis of these various abilities that has allowed me to bring something unique and important out into the spaces that I spend a lot of time in, business, fitness, writing, et cetera, that, that uh, has allowed me to almost skip in line in many instances um, and be competitive in a way without having to try and be the Michael Phelps of fitness or the Michael Phelps of business. So that's where I'm coming from. That's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff right there. So I want to dive into here discipline, okay, because that's one of the biggest topics that we have when we talk about the warrior mindset and being a modern-day warrior, a man that can hang in the business world, right, that can hang, whether it's a fitness, martial arts world. I'm a big believer that you got to balance yourself, right? you got to be an individual out there that has a balance in life. And, you know, just you know, reading over your, your book here, I mean, you have so many things that overlap into, uh, you know, truly a warrior's mindset. So I want to talk about discipline and I, and I want you to give me an idea first and foremost, you know, when you apply discipline into your life, because being successful in so many things in your life, discipline, I believe is a, is a key component. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I want to just kind of get a feel where Pat Flynn starts integrating discipline and how you apply it into your daily life, and more importantly, how it reached to a level where you're now open to, to write this book freely like this. Yeah, that's a, that's a good series of questions. I'll do my best to, to answer them in a, in a thorough way. So let's take a step back because I think to see the value of discipline, you have to understand a certain concept of freedom. Now, we live in a country that is that experiences a good amount of, of freedom, certainly, or liberty. We might think of it as autonomous self-direction. You know, you do you, I'll do me. We don't interfere with each other too much, and, and we'll all just hopefully get along. And that's, that's a good thing. That's like the, the stuff that, you know, decent constitutions are made of, is, is liberty. But there's this other kind of freedom. Um, I think it's an even more important kind of freedom. And that asks the question, okay, now, once you can do pretty much whatever you want, what should you do? And this is freedom not of autonomous self-direction, but freedom for excellence. And this is where discipline comes in. And that is disciplining the desires to make what is good at first accessible 
and then effortless. It's orienting yourself to express yourself at, at a higher pitch at, and hopefully at the highest conceivable pitch. Now, you can't do that without discipline. Uh, autonomous self-direction, being able to choose whatever you want, isn't enough. For example, Rafa, um, you know, I don't have the freedom to kick somebody in the head as a Taekwondo athlete unless I discipline myself in a training routine that gives me that ability. I don't have the freedom to express myself on the guitar, at least not at a decent technical level, until I develop the discipline to sit down and practice in a certain particular way. So I have to accept opportunity costs. I actually have to restrict options and limit what I do to gain a higher, and I would argue more valuable, degree of freedom in life. And now discipline is the key that unlocks all of that. So, I mean, there's there's a saying out there that people use that discipline equals freedom. I try to unpack that and say, well, what kind of freedom are we getting at? And for me, it's this concept of freedom for excellence, being able to express yourself, being able to optimize yourself to be most the kind of, of a person, man, or warrior that you're capable of. Very good. Very good. All right. So I got to ask this. How much I guess, for, for lack of a better word, how much power has training in the martial arts brought to your life? Yeah, well, it's a lot. And going back to the discipline thing, you know, when we think about discipline, it's, it's, it's abstract. It's, you can't just practice discipline by, by itself. Like, what, does, what the heck does that even look like, right? It's, you can't even wrap your head around it. You have to practice discipline with something specific. You gain discipline in one specific area, and then you hope you can transfer it or carry it over into, into other areas. So martial arts was one of the first instances where I started to really practice, understand, develop, and see the value in discipline. And a lot of that coincided with a physical training routine as well. You know, coming in, making sure that I'm throwing a certain number of kicks and punches a day, repeating my forms over and over again, preparing for my sparring matches, so on and so forth. It taught me about systems, taught me about process. It taught me about how to get produ you know, predictable and repeatable results, which is part of, of discipline. And then once you have that, once you experience that, once you see the value in it, it's sticky. It's sticky and it spills over into other areas of life, but it has to start somewhere. And my advice there would be to try and find something you're passionate enough about at first, whether that's martial arts or, or starting a business or, or starting a fitness program or whatever, that you have enough initial enthusiasm that you'll be able to carry yourself through as that discipline sets in. And then once you develop discipline over time, you can then learn to do the things you don't necessarily want to do, but know you should do anyway. So martial arts was my entry point, man. That's what got me started on, on pretty much all this stuff. Awesome. Talk to me about meta skills. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, 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 I was you know, looking at your, uh, some of the chapters yesterday, and I dove into meta skills very unique way of looking at it and I, and I want you to expand on that a little bit what is meta skills yeah so the idea here with you know meta skills or, or meta skills or what are this sort of universal global powers that we can have as humans that will spill over and enhance everything else meaning if you can get good at these then it's just going to make everything else better. Discipline is actually one of them. If you can develop discipline, then what what can't you do with that? Or what what isn't that going to improve? If I have discipline, well, then I can now apply that in almost any direction I want and improve at almost anything else I want. Focus is another meta skill. If I have, and focus and discipline sort of go hand in hand, but they're not quite the same thing. Focus is one of these things where can I sit down and, and grind? Can I do the work that I need to do without constantly falling into distractions, uh, procrastination, so on and so forth? That would be another, another, <laughs> another meta skill. So the idea here is, and a lot of the meta skills are abstract, meaning we, we understand what they are generally as concepts, but we need to put them into certain instances. Focus, like discipline, isn't something that can just be developed right. by itself, right? right? It's, it's something that we develop you know, if we're developing uh, discipline through martial arts, maybe we take focus into meditation and we develop that way. Um, that's, you know, something I've spent a lot of years doing that because I spent a lot of years doing that has enhanced everything else. Developing the focus in meditation has made me a better writer, a better musician. Having the discipline from martial arts has allowed me to grind through very difficult training programs, through difficult times and, and periods of my business, so on and so forth. So that's the idea there behind meta skills, but it's important to realize that even though they're abstract, 
We have to bring them down and practice them in specific instances. Good stuff. And that's exactly where I was going to go prior. I mean, I was going to take that route to into the world of meditation. I'm, I mean, I've been training martial arts for 35 years. I run a martial arts school. Um, and I really, really, from a young age, um, I started really focusing on the Bushido, the samurai, that mindset. And I've implemented it. And literally, it's part of my life. It's part of my core, who I am today. And meditation has been a, a big part of it for me. Um, and, you know, I studied Saz, uh, Zen Buddhism for, for many years. Um, and Sazen, the aspect of, of just sitting in, in stillness, uh, is a huge, huge aspect uh, of my life. I mean, I believe that if I didn't have that in my life, uh, boy, I would not be successful in some of the things that I've done before. So my question is here, do you actually meditate? What do you do? How do you implement that into your life? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I meditate every day, Rafa. It was, it was one of these most fundamental and transformative skills that I've ever acquired. Also, largely in the Zen tradition as well, um, I had a, a, a just an amazing um, teacher for about three to five years, um, on and off. That's why I give the the span where we would just it was funny of all things it was it was virtual and we would just through Skype literally he would just force me to sit down and meditate for large blocks of time. And it, as you know, this is an incredibly difficult skill. It's not something that is easy to attain. It's it's like a high level of physical fitness. You have to practice it every single day. And if something's important, you should practice it every single day. So so my meditation routine has not really deviated much from, from the basics. And I think so much of mastery, so much of becoming an expert is exactly that. It's not moving away from the basics. It's going deeper into the basics. So I practice daily mindfulness meditation, um, you know, Simple little techniques, noting techniques, body scans, uh, breathing, counting. Sometimes I will do some visualization exercises um, that I gained from from my background and NLP and things like that. But it's it's returning to the to the basic tenets of mindfulness meditation that that laid the foundation for me, not only for my meditation practice for for all the years afterwards, but gave me the the sort of ability, if you will, and I'm sure you'll be able to relate to this where you, you create the space and you create the opportunities where you can then respond to emotions rather than react to them. And to me, that is, that's paramount to everything, especially being a warrior, right? I mean, most of us are in this sort of dizzy state where we are constantly bombarded by negative thinking. We're constantly um, overwhelmed by emotional states, feelings, sensations. So how do you create that distance? How do you create that space where you can regain that control? And so much of, of, of being a warrior, of gaining self-mastery, is, is it's all in that, it's all in control. Now, ironically, what meditation teaches you at first is how to let go of control. It teaches you acceptance. But it's through the acceptance that you regain control. So there's sort of a, a sweet irony there in many ways. But that's how I got started. And my, my practice today is, is hardly any different than a lot of the, the basics that I, that I was taught at the very beginning. Um, I've just gotten better at the basics. Very good. Good stuff right there. And I love the fact that you round it up. Yeah, the irony is that it helps you regain control of your life because most of the time you're sitting there detaching yourself from thoughts, right? You're, it, it, it's a very interesting way to approach life itself. And I, I'm just letting our listeners know that it is a very powerful thing to do. Uh, and I would highly recommend it for anyone that goes out there in the business or whatever you do in life. Meditation will, will definitely help you and lead you in that right direction. All right, Pat. So let's sh uh, switch gears a little bit here. Talk to me about one of the most challenging times in your life and how you overcame it. Yeah. Um, well, I was on a conversation, an interview yesterday with somebody that I admire very much. And one of his principles in life is realizing that after every peak comes a cliff and, and how true that is. I mean, for, for almost anything you set out to do in life, you'll push, you'll push towards a goal. You'll hit that goal. You'll get that medal. You'll reach that achievement. And then there's usually some type of, of recession, almost, a, almost a, a, a depression. Think of anybody and Rafa, I'm sure this relates to you. You know, you just got through with this, this awesome event. So I'm sure you're kind of coming off of that. And then it's, and then it's this idea of what, well, well, then what, well, what, well, what's next, right? Same thing with publishing books. You put out these books, you wait till publication day, all this excitement, uh, you know, all this buzz for this big release, and then what? And and that was something that was extremely challenging for me in my life, where you 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 go all in on a goal, 
and I got very good at that. So the first challenge of my life was first just learning to get good at things and go after goals. I had to overcome that. But then once you do that and you hit the goal of, of answering the question, then what? And so much of that um, is what is what led me to this path of generalism, of realizing that that you can you can you can't change it. Right. You know, after the peak, there will always be some type of cliff or 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 down period or recession or, or however you want to you want to think about it. Hey, guys, just a quick break in the action here. If you're listening right now, you know, we live in a dangerous time. No doubt about it. Terrorism, mass shootings, toxic politics. But listen, enough is enough. What I want you to do here is this: go grab yourself a free copy of the complete mass shooting survival guide. USCCA has been so kind here to share this and give it to you for free. What I want you to do is go text the word survival to 87222 and get yours right now. It is truly jam-packed with great information, absolutely free. That's the word survival to 87222. But you can learn to accept it and you can learn to do other cool and interesting things. You can put other projects on the plate. You can pursue multiple goals, perhaps not simultaneously, but at least systematically to make sure that you are pushing forward in your, in your pursuits, in your flourishing. And what I used to fall into was a trap of specialization where I would put, you know, one to two years in a project. I, whatever that project was competitive or creative, I'd be done with it. And I would, I would have this immense challenge of not knowing what to do with myself after, after, after that. And I think, (laughs) And, and I, I'm sure it's something that you can probably relate to and I think most people relate to. So it's – you asked me what my biggest challenges have been and, and, and certainly you know, there's the normal things of, of the grind and, and setbacks along the way that almost everybody faces. But that's something that always hit me really hard was, okay, was, was now what or after you hit the goal. And so many people talk about you know, the, the, the things that get in your way on the way to the goal. But what's always been challenging for me, Rafa, was, was what to do next. Awesome. All right, let's talk a little bit about the rule of 80%. All right, I'm a big believer in that, but I want to know your take on it. Yeah, so the rule of 80%, and I want to make the the distinction up front because a lot of people will think that this is the 80-20 rule, which it ties into the 80-20 rule. Right, right. So uh, Pareto principle, 80-20 rule is something that you know has a history in economics, and the idea there is – you know, somewhere like 80% of your harvest is going to come from 20% of your crop generally, right? 80% of your results in the gym will come from 20% of your efforts, 80% of your profits from 20% of your employees. And that's an important rule. You want to know that rule. And it's also one of those things that you can't change, but you can work with it. All right. Spend, spend more time with, you know, those vital few employees that get you most of your profits, spend more time on those vital few exercises that get most of your strength gains. It's really a, a device for allocation. Now that's important. Well, let's put that aside a minute. My rule of 80% is really for generalists. And what I say is if 100% is the best in the world at something, there's probably not a single instance, unless you're trying to be Michael Phelps, where you're going to need to be 80% more than good at something. So if 100% in the world is best, you're probably never going to need to go beyond 80% good at anything. And in fact, you might need significantly less than that. At the very least, if you are 80% good at whatever whatever that something is, take take the bench press, for example, just to pick an exercise. You know, like 80% of the world's best bench press, even natural bench press, is gonna be probably somewhere in 500 pound region, I would, I would imagine. Way more than almost anybody needs to be a generally fit, strong person. So this is a, a device we can use to figure out, well, what what my problem isn't. This clearly isn't my problem anymore if I'm getting close to this 80% line and I haven't reached my goals. Sure. And I, and I use this as a metric because so many people in business, martial arts, whatever, are so good at doubling down on their strengths and getting better and better at the thing that they're already good enough at and ignoring their weaknesses, not filling gaps, um, not not improving the, the, the areas that are actually holding them back. So that's what the idea of the 80 uh, percent rule there, sort of a shockproof um, BS detector to make sure that we're that we are being efficient with our time, that that we're building ourselves up in such a way that we'll be capable of, ready for almost anything, and realizing we don't have to be the best in the world at any one thing to get there. We probably, certainly, you know, don't need eighty percent more of competency in any skill at any one time either. Pretty cool, love that. So you know, I took some highlights um, last night from your book. And I want to talk about skill stacking. That kind of, uh, I focused, I read that 
couple of times I'm like, this is a very interesting the way, the way that you look at it. So this is in your new book here. Can we expand a little bit on on what skill stacking is? Yeah, it's a simple concept, and the idea is it's 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 easier to be different than it is to be the best or even better. I look at I look at my examples in, in my career again. You know, just taking fitness. I'm not the biggest. I'm not. I haven't won any world class bodybuilding or, or powerlifting competitions. But I am very strong. I am very lean. I'm sufficiently muscled. I can do a lot of you know a lot of impressive things in the gym. But I'm not the best at any one. But I can also write. I can write engagingly. I can write with clarity, brevity, wit. Not the best writer. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm no Mark Twain or, or Ernest Hemingway or anybody like that. But I'm a good writer. Um, and then it's been, for example, this simple skill stack of being able to combine the abilities I have in writing with the abilities I have in fitness that, at least very early on, allowed me to break out in a way that people who were bigger, stronger, faster than me uh, weren't getting as much attention because they weren't as good at communicating. So you take writing and fitness, combine them. That confers more competitive advantage than just trying to be the best at fitness, for example, which I'll be perfectly honest. That was probably never in the cards for me to begin with. So, so much of my book is, is aimed at entrepreneurs as saying, stop trying to be the best in the world at any one thing. Rather, take a survey of what you're trying to do, the people you're trying to serve, and how you're trying to get their attention, and then figure out what combination or stack of skills do I need to break through the noise or the clutter of the industry and grab their uh, attention. And oftentimes, just a simple skill stack of two to three things will, will be able to propel you ahead so much more efficiently, so much more quickly than just trying to continuously grind in one highly specialized uh, direction. So that's the, that's the concept I'm, I'm trying to drive out throughout the book. Cool. Very, very interesting. like that. All right. So let's dive deep here into your daily routine. I mean, the idea here is that I want to know from the time you wake up all right, to the time you go to bed, give me a typical Pat Flynn day. Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what. I think if there's any secret to whatever success I've had, it's that my day is extremely boring to the extent that it's monotonous. I tend to do the same things over and over again. So I wake up and I do a typical meditation and mobility routine. I, I, I move, not, not anything too intense, for a workout, I often just do some some get ups and body weight exercises. Then I try to do some some meditation and prayer work for ten to fifteen minutes. That whole routine will range anywhere from fifteen minutes to half an hour. It's not long, but it's frequent. I do it every single day. And if there's anything I can offer to people who want to get better at something, it's focus on frequency and consistency more than you do intensity. And you'll be surprised at how much more useful that is for building skill than just say. For example, Rafa, if I just did that routine once a week, but did it for tried to do it for two hours at a time, it'd be far less effective than doing it for fifteen minutes every day. So that's that how I start my that's yeah. how I start my day. Then whatever is most important for me at any time is where I spend my earliest um, and best attention. Mostly, that's going to be some type of writing project. So I'll typically sit down after that and I will get to work. I try to write for pretty large blocks of time just because it's important. So I'll probably write anywhere. You know, I wake up pretty early, usually around five. So if I'm if I'm you know warmed up and ready to go by five thirty or six, I'm usually writing till ten or eleven. After that, I will hit the gym, usually for an hour to an hour and a half. After the gym, I'll come back, I'll I'll eat, and then I will uh, I'll I'll get on to my other big projects, which are which are music. So then I'll I'll sit down. I'll play and practice and record music typically for an hour to an hour and a half a day. After that, I'll then I'll then do what I call the monkey work of my business. You know, the stuff that is important but doesn't usually require as much brain power. You know, uh, logistical stuff, answering email. I, everybody here, I'm sure, gets what I'm talking about. The not fun stuff, but stuff you have to get done. I try to put that during whatever is my the point during the day where I don't have my best creative energy, which is you know usually in the mid afternoon. Then I uh, try to do one more burst of creativity after that, usually some, some, some spontaneous writing. I do a, a decent amount of fiction writing as well, uh, just to kind of get out of work mode, start to get into play mode. Then it's family time after that. You know, I make sure I have that hard block of work that I'm going down, spending time with the kids, the wife, uh, before dinner, during dinner, after dinner. And then after dinner, it's it's time with the wife, you know, relaxing, you know, meditating. We try not to, you know, drown ourselves in front of television. We try to, you know, do things that we can do together, like like read, um, and things like that, and relax, and you know, getting getting to bed without being wound up 
overly stimulated, I think is, is also an essential and important skill. And that's typically how my day will go. The one thing I forgot to mention is I'll usually be squeezing martial arts in at the gym there as well. So, and then, you know, repeat that process, pretty much ad infinitum. And, and there's, there's Pat Flynn in a nutshell. <laughs> there you go. Good, good. All right. For our listeners, I mean, he is, he has a rounded life. I mean, this guy goes out there and I mean, you're, you, it looks to me like you balance yourself every day. I mean, you got, you start off at a certain pace, you go, obviously you have clarity of mind through your faith and your, and your meditation. And then you kind of, you know, do the hardcore work during the day. And then you have time, which is very important for your family. Um, and that is, uh, for me, that is a very balanced warrior like life. Now, talk to me about faith and how important it is in your life. Yeah, well, um, it's it's a not only incredibly important for me. So I'm a, I'm a convert first off. So for many years I did not have faith. I would have considered myself uh, an atheist, and then kind of moved into an agnostic. Then went through a spiritual religious phase. I've always been a, a student of philosophy. Like I said, I'm I've been doing my <clears throat> I'm doing my masters in it now. So you know the big questions of life. You know. What is truth? Does God exist? If so, what is God like? These are the things that I, I study almost more seriously than anything. And I, I do talk about a lot on my podcast as well. So a number of years ago, you know, I, I, I started to shift dramatically. I became convinced that, yeah, there is there is God. And uh, quite possibly he, he has some type of intention or meaning for my life. And, and Rafa, this is, you know, this is something that I like to be, and what I like about your show, you know, is it's, it's raw, uncut. These are important things. People are spiritually confused these days. You know, people don't know what to do. And as humans, we desire to know, you know, as Aristotle taught us, all man by nature desires to know. But what is it we're trying to know? You know, what is the truth we're after? What is it we're seeking? Well, we're all seeking happiness, but it doesn't seem like anything in this world can perfectly satisfy that happiness. At best, we can get an imperfect happiness by aligning ourselves in a certain way, orienting ourselves a certain way. I would argue that's mostly through the development of, of virtue and more moral character traits, but that it's pointing to something we call above and beyond this world, um, a perfect happiness that yets await um, you know, call it the numinous experience or whatever you want. So faith gave me the missing ultimate orientation in life. Um, and before that, I pursued things without any greater meaning or intention. Why? Thinking that th this would satisfy my happiness. Let's make a bunch of money. Let's get in really good shape. Uh, let's write a bunch of, bunch, bunch of books. And none of those things are ultimately bad. But they can be very confusing and very, and they can leave you dead feeling. And this this ties into what I talked about before, the idea of well, well, what's next? And I think so much of why that was a challenge for me is because I didn't have that greater that greater faith orientation. Now I do have that, and that that not only illuminates everything else, but but energizes it. Everything is now in alignment and directed towards a greater sense of purpose and meaning in life. And this is a message I try to get across because, man, especially for men, you know, there's just such spiritual confusion going on in this world. And I know because I lived through it or even outright to dial. And you, you cannot live consistently and happily in that state. You just can't do it. To the extent that you're living consistent with it, you're going to fall into despair. And to the extent you're happy, you're probably, you're probably not thinking that way anymore. Uh, the good news is you shouldn't live in that state. There's there's a better way. <laughs> there's a much better, right. more productive way to live. So I could go on for hours about that, man. But that's the that's the the general overview of of how it is. It's it's the most important thing in my life. It's not just important. Are you an individual that goes to say church gatherings, organizations? Are you part of a community where where people around you support you? that are, are believers like yourself. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, yes, no. So I went I went from from atheist to uber Catholic, my friend. So I'm I'm about as, you know, as as transitioned when I use that right. term as, right. as a person can possibly get. And that was a you know, that was a process. That was a huge amount of of study again th through natural theology, also through history trying to figure out okay, I you know, not only does does God exist, but if God exists, is he the type of God that would want me to know something about him? Is he the type of God that would reveal himself in some specific way? Is he the type of God that if he do that, he would form a church? And if so, is it a particular church? And these are these are deep, heavy questions and, and worthy of, of much longer conversation, but they're questions that I, I spent many years trying to figure out. So I did not stop at a sort of 
ambiguous, spiritual, but not religious. I, I went full on, man. I'm about as religious as a person can get at this point. Awesome. So I want to know, since we're talking about this, I want to know when was the day, the day that came to you that you said, I have actually, I know that you, you know, it was a long process, but through that time, um, there is, you know, my wife's family, I mean, my wife's a pastor and, and, and my wife's father is, you know, bestseller across the board, world, world renowned pastor also. And, you know, there has to be that time point in your life when you just kind of like you saw yourself switching over to starting to believe Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can answer that very distinctly. You're, you're right on there, Rafa. And, uh, you know, part of it was saying the atheist prayer, God, if I have a soul, save my soul if I have one. Right. <laughs> right. And yep. it, so so what happened for me is I, mo- I made the move intellectually before I, I made it fully, if that makes sense. Like my mind was there before my soul necessarily assented to it. I remember just sitting on the couch one night. I was working through the New Testament. I had, you know, I, I'd been thinking these questions through incessantly for years and years. I I had all the rational foundations for belief. And that's when, for the first time, since I was probably a kid, you know, quote unquote, praying for a video game system that I actually prayed. <laughs> right. and, that, and, and that's when I realized that, 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 you know, what Jesus said, seek and, and you will find is absolutely correct. So um, I don't want to make it seem like this was just some large intellectual endeavor. You know, ultimately it was the, the instigation of the Holy Spirit. I believe that fully now. This was just the path that he took me through. And it was that one night on the couch where I said that prayer. And then, you know, almost the next day, I just had this incredible pull to just go go to go to church, find a church. I couldn't even explain it. And I went and that was when my my conviction, I didn't have every question answered at that point, but my my spiritual conviction was sealed. Awesome. Awesome. You know, believing in a higher power, there's no doubt it's very powerful. And um, yeah, I, I always talk about it, you know, and this is a, a straightforward, we don't, we don't bullshit in this show, very raw. Okay. We talk it how it is. And in my world, in my book, I believe that a warrior individual, warrior minded individual has to have a balance and a belief of faith that mm-hmm. carries his life. Um, because I believe if you don't have that faith, you are lacking in your life. There are huge gaps and elements that don't will not let you catapult. And I'm not talking about money-wise. I'm talking about your core being. I, be- I truly believe that without faith, um, any p- person, man or woman, um, is doing themselves a great disservice. And not only that, but they're really limiting themselves to their potential in life. Man, I am with you a thousand percent. I mean, think of think of the virtues and think of the theological virtues. I mean, we have prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude. I mean, especially fortitude. That is the fighter and warrior virtue, right? That's that's what courage falls under. And like, who has more f- fortitude than the greatest people of faith? I mean, think of the martyrs. Like, who who has who has more virtue than than these people? Who has more courage than that's these right. people? So it is full on something that empowers a person. You know, people have this caricatured view that faith is something that, that, you know, makes people weak. It's the opposite, man. Faith is what amplifies you. Faith is what elevates you. Um, some of it is direct infusion from God. You know, those theological virtues of, of, you know, faith, hope, and charity. Faith itself is a theological virtue. But again, I would just return to the point that it's something that brings you to a higher level. It amplifies every other aspect of your life. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, man. I'm, I'm happy we got the chat about that. Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. So as far as, let's talk about modern day society now. And when we talk about happiness and people finding happiness in the wrong things or, or things that in reality are not going to make them better, because I believe, this is my belief and 100% on it, I believe that someone is here in this this world to do something, right? They have something. And many of us, all right, don't ever find it or find it so late in life that they look back and said, man, you know, I wish I would have done that. I was meant to do that. And my goal here, and you know, not only in this podcast, but our, our man of war movement, and, and it's all about getting people to start seeing, hey, you know what? Live a life with a higher purpose. Live a life that in reality, okay, today, all right, you start working for tomorrow. And don't forget to live daily. Don't forget to balance, like you, we talked about your balance. I mean, you go out there, you, you have a nicely balanced life, but it took you, oh, I'm, I'm sure that you were just didn't 
you know, walk into it and say, hey, this is a way that I'm going to balance my life. It came through time and effort and being successful and, and, and challenges. So modern day society, younger people, that they're finding happiness in the wrong things. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, I have I have a number of takes on this, and it's an important question. So, you know, please bear with me a minute here. <laughs> We're all about that, brother. Uh, you know, it, it, relativism is the disease of our day. You know, people have fallen into this trap of thinking that things are good or things will make you happy just because you desire them. And this, this, this narrative needs to be destroyed and exposed as far as I'm concerned. It's absolutely false, and we know that it's false intuitively. It's obviously false. Nobody th – I mean just take a few extreme examples. Nobody thinks that just because somebody desires to do heroin that heroin is good for them, for example, right? We, we all know that that's false. So then this 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 has to get you to think in, in a different direction, which a lot of the, the – I would argue the best philosophers, the best thinkers always were saying anyway. So if you, if you want some good advice, just go back go back to the ancient wisdom, go back to Aristotle, go back to Aquinas who, who, who say the opposite. They say, no, some things are actually good for you objectively by the nature of the kind of creature you are. And these are the things that you should desire. And by desiring them, you will achieve, you will flourish. You will have, eudaimonia is, is, is the term that, that Aristotle uses, which translates best into human flourishing. Right. Now, now, what are those things? Well, Aristotle said the highest among them is the contemplation of truth. And he kind of left it at that. And then this is where Aquinas came in and I think completed his picture. Theologically said, okay, you're right there, but you know, truth, the highest truth, the highest contemplation of that is God. It's knowledge of and in relationship with the divine. And this is why Aquinas would draw the line and say, perfect happiness, what's going to make us perfectly happy is just not of this world. But it's coming, right? It's it's we can get there, but it's not of this world. But in this world, we can achieve what he would call imperfect happiness by aligning ourselves with what is going to make us perfectly happy and figuring out what are those other good things along the way. And here is where the virtues come in again, uh, developing the cardinal virtues, which we can figure out through our own natural powers, and then having those supernatural or theological virtues that are infused by God. Prudence, for example, using uh, which is just practical common sense, using wisdom from the past to make a, a good decision in the present for a better outcome in the future, developing prudence, justice, giving others what they are deserved, the idea of fair play, fortitude, being able to grind through difficult challenges to pursue what is good for us, temperance, being able to discipline the animal appetites and avoid temptations that lead us away from what is good you know good for us so it's a it's it's totally the opposite of what you hear in today's culture but it's totally right because something isn't just good because you desire it you know pursuing all the wealth in the world by itself will not make you happy but pursuing wealth is not a bad thing so long as you're also doing it from the proper orientation you understand what a human being is what a human being is for um, none of these things are necessarily bad in themselves, but if happiness is anything, happiness is engaging in and enjoying a genuinely good activity. And for an activity to be genuinely good, it must have morally good outcomes or at least morally neutral outcomes, and it must be done with morally good intentions. And for that, you need the proper, I would say, faith-oriented uh, positioning in life to make those things uh, – you know, morally worthwhile and, and intrinsically worthwhile. Sure. Otherwise, you're, you're always going to be lost. You're always going to be confused. You're going to be chasing things for the wrong reasons. And that is the state of culture today, man. It's, it's a basic philosophical confusion um, that started to creep its head in the Enlightenment, got, got worse as time went on, and now is, is just an absolute mess in a relativistic, postmodern infused culture today. But the answer is to go back. When people take a wrong turn, you don't want to keep going in the same direction. You got to turn around and figure out, no, people had this right before. What were they saying? So the answers are out there, but you're not going to find them in, in, in the culture of today. Very good. What is your take on tenacity, on overcoming challenges in life? And more importantly, do you really feel that overcoming challenges in life make you better, make you stronger in mind, body, and spirit, that that without these obstacles, all right, we don't have that template, that that push for true growth. 
Yeah, man. I mean, tenacity fits right in with with fortitude, and the idea is is fortitude. There is the martyr's virtue. It's it's the boxer's virtue. Uh, kind of hope is also the boxer's virtue as well. And the idea there is that there most of the things that are good for us are not things that are instantly gratifying. They are. There's a saying in Stoicism is called the obstacle is the way. And it's not so much about what you achieve at the end, because then the question of then what comes in, but the person you become through that process. What do you learn through that process? You know, what are the moral character traits that you're developing uh, aside from fortitude, aside from tenacity? You're learning, you know, perhaps patience, compassion, sympathy, empathy, not just for others, but for yourself. Uh, you're, you're learning perseverance. You're also learning faith because at some point you're going to realize, like, look, I just can't do this on my own. I need I need help from from God. I need help from other people. So you're, you're learning to uh, be hopefully also a more communal giving person. So the difficulties that are there for a reason, and we need fortitude or tenacity to face those difficulties and realize that it's the difficulties that once responded to in, in the right way are what shape us or what cause us to flourish. So they're not to be avoided. They're to be they're be they're really to be pursued, and not just because of what we get at the very end of them, but who we become through that process. And and that to me is where tenacity fits in. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now let's dive a little bit. Let's talk about the reality of life. All right. When I talk about the reality of life is that, you know, life in my, in my world, I'm a full-time police officer. I'm out there. I've been, I've been doing it for a very long time. I teach at the police academy. I see the ugliness of life, the battlefield. And people out there, unfortunately, have this, this way about them where they just kind of give up, right? They give up and then they, they don't ever make it to a certain level. And I want kind of like a, an idea of what life is to you. And I know that you're a balanced individual. You're, you're that type. You have that type of warrior mind. You know, you have that warrior mindset. But what is the reality of life for you? I mean, is it just living and being here or do you want to leave that legacy? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a deep and important question. So, yeah, we're going to have to probably draw this out a little bit. But the reality of life for me is that there is there's teleology to life. There's there's a reason to it. There's a purpose for why we are here. All of this ultimately will come back to the question of faith. But, you know, what what is that purpose? What is that legacy that I want to leave? Well, I guess I'm trying to do part of it right now, which is is help other people find that proper orientation. If humans are here for a reason, and if humans are created by God, we are here to, in some ways, rediscover God, but ultimately to come into a relationship with God. That that has to be the highest priority. It's it's almost impossible to escape that. You can ignore it if you want. You can put it off to the side. But to any extent you do that. You're doing yourself a disservice. And here's the thing to think about God and, and religion, and I, I often uh, pose this to a lot of a lot of my students as well, is like we're all religious people, whether we want to be or not. So even if you say you're an atheist or an agnostic, all you've done is just put something else in God's place. You've just you've just assumed a new religion. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's collecting exotic cats. Maybe it's pursuing wealth or whatever. Everybody has an ultimate commitment. And to me, that's that, that's one of the, the better, more comprehensive definitions of religion. What is a person's ultimate commitment? So it's not whether you you have an ultimate commitment or not. It's whether you have the right one. And then once you have that in place, what falls out of it? What else leads to that? And what else can you construct on the way to that that is good, that is helpful and 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 loving to other people? And that's the thing, I think, when we talk about love, especially from a sort of Christian perspective. And even for people who aren't coming from a Christian perspective, I think they'll, you know, this is something people will appreciate. Love is willing the good of the other for other. It's not it's not a the way that people often think of love today in a sort of romantic sense. It's more of the love you would have, say, for for a teenager child who no matter how much they abuse you, no matter how much they rebel against you, you are always going to do what is best for that child, even if it's hard for them, even if it's disciplining them, whatever it is, you're always going to do what's best for them because you love them. You're you're willing their good because they themselves are good and have intrinsic worth. That's the legacy I'm trying to leave. I'm not. I'm certainly not perfect. I mess up all the time, 
but I think how can I best will the good of other people? And I, I, you know, I think I can do it a lot through my work. As you see my book, you know, I not only talk about skill stacking, generalism, success, but it's heavy on faith, man. I'm, I'm forward with it. And that's what I appreciate about you and your show. It's, it's raw. We're getting at the important stuff that people are either hesitant or afraid to talk about, but because it's not being talked about, people are becoming more and more confused in life. They're pursuing the wrong thing. So if I can help to reorient people, but also see that there's so many other good, cool things that you can do, get good at and enjoy along the way while having the right orientation, I feel like I have I will have done my job, and that's that's really what awesome. I'm trying to do. Hopefully, it's come across somewhat in this conversation. Today awesome, well. no, good stuff, Pat. Good stuff. All right, I'm gonna basically just dive into what money means to you and why money, unfortunately, is looked at in such a negative way nowadays from from many people. And unfor- and we were talking about this in, in, at the event. Um, you know, I had a presentation where I talked about courage. I talked about Kaizen, you know, constant improvement and things like that. And then uh, I remember Brad speaking about something that had to do with, you know, a lot of people that complain about money and believe that money uh, is bad or is a root of all evil are people that don't have any of it. <laughs> and and uh, the way I look at it is this. Money for, for a good segment of our population is looked at as the, as the evil, as the, as the bad. And then on the flip side, you have money Money is looked at as everything, everything. So you have two polar opposites here. But I believe in that truly in my heart that neither one is very good because, mm-hmm. you know, you have one of them stretching that money is the only way to happiness. And then the other side is money is just dark and it's black and you should not go after money. What's your take on money? Yeah, well, I think you're I think you're spot on. So, you know, as a as a as an economist, money is, is simply a medium of exchange. It's a way that we can we can transfer value. So it is it's morally neutral by itself, right? They're like a, a dollar bill is not a, a good or a bad thing. But in many ways it's a force multiplier. You give a you give a jerk a ton of money, they might have more power to become a bigger jerk. You give a good person a lot of money, they now have more power to do to, to do more good things, to be more charitable. So you're right there that money by itself is is neither good nor bad. What is the culture that underlies the money? Who is the individual that is in possession of money? Um, I am a, a, an unapologetic capitalist, but at the same time, I don't believe that capitalism can save a society. Ca- capitalism is just a way of organizing economic transfers between people, the exchange sure, yeah. of, of goods and services, right? So you put capitalism in a, in a culture with a good moral grounding, you're going to have a very prosperous society with a lot of uh, with a lot of charitable services, it does a lot of good for people. You take the idea of capitalism, you drop it in some type of totalitarian society, it's never going to do anything to begin with. So, so much of economics is a result of, of culture to begin with. When it comes from money, I simply say the same thing. Look, it's neither good nor bad. Focus on who you are first, and then there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to make and do really well for yourself. And I can tell you, as somebody who previously pursued money as it ended itself, it will not make you happy. And I, I got quite good at getting money. Believe me, I'm still quite good at it. But itself will not make you happy. You have to go deeper than that. It's not. It's also not a bad thing, so I'm with you there. You have to go deeper. What is your greater purpose? What is your greater aim in life? You get that figured out. You start to carve out those moral virtues. Then doing well, bringing value to people, Right, the fact that they're they're paying you something and you're making a profit is a sign that you are delivering value to that to that person. Right, we talked about happiness. One of the best ways to to understand happiness is that all people are seeking happiness, and nobody will freely engage in any exchange unless they believe that they're better off. I have fifteen hundred dollars. You have a used car. I'm only going to give you that fifteen hundred dollars if I think that used car is will make me happier. You're only going to take that fifteen hundred dollars if you think that that will make you happier than having the used car. We both profit from that, and that's what's good about happiness. Is in in at least the proximate sense, many of us are are seeking um, to be satisfied in different ways at different times. So that's why you know the whole kind of fixed pie mindset of of, of many socialist thinkers is wrong. It's it's not a fixed pie. If anything, it's a self perpetuating pie. The more slices you take, the bigger the pie grows. So there's a lot of angles you can take it. There's a lot of just economic confusion where people will rail against money. But it seems also to be a lot of moral confusion too. And there, I echo exactly what you say. Money by itself is morally neutral. 
it tends to be, if anything, a force multiplier where it can make a, a bad person act in ways that are more bad or steer them in, in an unhealthier direction, or it can help a good person pursue more good activities and be very charitable and very productive and very efficient with their money. So it's, it's like most things, the answer is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff, man. Love it. All right. What is your definition of a modern day warrior? Yeah, well, I think it comes down to a lot of the things that we've, we've ultimately said. you got to have the, the ultimate in mind. You have to have the right orientation in life. And then once you have that set, it's a matter of disciplining the desires to make the good at first accessible and then effortless. Highest good being God, the proximate goods being those virtues, prudence, temperance, justice, fortitude. And then, of course, the theological virtues as well, which are not virtues that you work at, but that are our gifts, the supernatural virtues. Then, so we have like multiple layers to this, right? So we have the highest layer, then we have the, the, the moral layer, and then we have the, the sort of practical layer where there's so much in life that once we have that orientation figured out, we can and should pursue those things. Uh, keeping the body strong, fit, healthy, ready for and capable of almost everything, going out and making and doing and learning good things, studying, creating, uh, community, having friendship, having brotherhood, uh, having loving relationships with people. All of these are good things and are made better with the sort of layers on top of them. So for me, it's about understanding what life is about and then enjoying the buffet of life, having the discipline to put the desires in proper alignment so you can pursue what is good, continue to pursue what is good, and ultimately carve out those dispositions to make those pursuits effortless. Awesome. Love it. Deep stuff right there, Pat. Man, I'm going to let you take over here, and I'm going to ask you, first of all, the name of your book. Yeah, the book is called How to Be Better at Almost Everything. When does it go on sale? So it's on pre-order now. So now is a, a pretty good time because in typical book launch fashion, we have a ton of cool incentives for people. If you decide to grab one or multiple copies of the book, we have, for example, a lot of um, fitness plans, eating plans, whether you want to gain strength, muscle, lose some weight. We have uh, blueprints, uh, worksheets, courses for business owners, growing social media followers, building an email list. So because the book's about generalism, we have a lot of supporting free material on a lot of different skills and areas of interest that I think people will be uh, will be at least very intrigued by and hopefully find helpful as well. And you can check all that stuff out on the pre-order page, which is the website howtobebetterbook.com. All right. I, I appreciate you for getting an early copy here, people. Let me tell you something. You got to go buy this book. It is legit. Um, and most of you know me that I don't, you know, I don't bullshit around. If the book is not good, I'm not going to say a word about it, but if it's a good book, listen, I'm not through with it yet, but there's some really, uh, it's an intriguing book. No doubt about it. Something very different, not your typical, uh, sales type book or self-help book. It's, it's a little bit different. I think you definitely, you guys are going to enjoy it. Some good stuff there. What I'm going to do, Pat, is I'm going to put a link on our, on, on the page on, on the site so people could clink. Uh, is this on sale and pre-order on Amazon yet or, or it, it is. Yeah. Okay. So if you go to the, the pre-order page, how to be better book.com, that will just show you Got all it. the all the extra stuff, but then it will push you to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you want. All right, very cool. So what I'm going to do is uh, uh, for our listeners, I'm going to put a link on there and just go and pre-order uh, the book. Let's so, show some love here for Pat. He's an excellent individual, and you heard him here on the show. All right, so where can people reach you? Where can people follow you? Give me some of that. Yeah, so my primary website <clears throat> would be chroniclesofstrength.com. Definitely hop on my email list. That's where I send most of my um most frequent and best content, I would say, which you can join right on the website. Also, head over to my podcast, The Pat Flynn Show. I usually get around three to four episodes up a week. We chat everything from fitness, business, philosophy, theology, you name it. It's an incredibly generalist show with a, uh, a wide range of topics and, and interesting guests. So you can find me there, The Pat Flynn Show. Love it. And I'll put that link also on the uh, on our web page. Pat, man, it has been an absolute honor to have you on and some good stuff. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know you were a martial artist and you were a guy, you know, I, and this conversation was absolutely unstructured. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows that that's the way we roll here. And I loved it. I mean, this has to be one of our deeper conversations that we've had on the show. No doubt about it. 
Well, I appreciate it, Rafa. And, you know, I do a number of these interviews and I felt like we got to explore a number of issues here. Not not necessarily issues, but a number of subjects that are deeply important and deeply interesting and often avoided. So I appreciate you not only having me on, but being willing to to explore that. Awesome, man. Pat, we will stay in touch and I hope hope to have you soon back on the show, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy. Boom. There you have it. What a great conversation here with Pat Flynn. This guy is just, you know, he radiates energy, very deep stuff. I hope that you were able to take something from here. Very strong message. I hope you wrote it down. Start implementing some of these tactics, philosophies, strategies into your life. Super important because the bottom line is this, my people, if you don't take what you listen to and apply it into your life, it just becomes entertainment. And this is not my intention when I started this podcast. I want to be able to give you information, practical information and useful information that you can implement right here, right now into your life to help you start transforming your entire life, your entire way of being. And obviously the end goal is to be able to become a modern day warrior, man or woman. All right, before we go, if you have not done so, please run over to iTunes and leave us a review. This is how we continue climbing on these iTunes charts. And uh, your feedback and your reviews are super, super important. You are the support factor of this podcast. All right, we'll be bringing you another podcast here on Friday, Warrior Chronicles. We are in full effect across the board. And as always, until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.